0: Let's just say, standing for just a moment. Father, we thank you so much for the presence of your spirit here. Lord, we lean into you, Lord. We ask for more of you, Lord. Lord, we don't want a moment or a day to go by where we don't seek you in your presence, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for the promise, your word to us through your servant, Father, leader of this house, Lord, that there was a, is a new wave of your spirit coming, Lord. And Lord, we continue to ask that our hearts would be in the place of prioritizing you, that we would be here to meet with you, Lord. Lord, we ask, Father, in everything that's taught and everything that's preached, Lord Jesus, that there be a real sense for us individually of communing with you and meeting with you, Father, in a way which brings you glory. And Lord, we ask for your blessing upon today's word, Father, Lord, that it would be like a sharp two-edged sword that pierces to the division between soul and spirit, between bone and marrow, Lord, and that it would discern the intents of hearts and bring forth more of your kingdom, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you for mercy. I thank you for grace. I thank you for your goodness, Father, in this time, Lord, and that we would really hear your heart, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a praise offering. You may take your seats. Thank you so much to the band for ministering to us today. i have had a really excellent week. We began uh, with the Bible school. Any full-time Bible schools here? Yes. Awesome. Maybe this whole row and a couple over there. And Good to have you guys with us. On Monday, we, we had our orientation week. And as you know, I, I took up the role of dean this year. And it's been amazing. They were getting stuff out of Colin when he was ministering to them that I've not heard. So they're really hungry for God and really receiving from God. And it's not too late for you if you're still thinking about it. We do need to hear from you in the next day or two in order to sign you up for this term. But if you're not able to come this term, January is the option for you, an opportunity for you. It's going to be a really exciting couple of years. We're really believing God to do amazing, amazing things. And if you're thinking, God, I just want to go deeper with you, especially with this whole new wave, new move of the Spirit thing, now is the perfect time for you to come along to school. Amen? Now, we are continuing this series on what's love got to do with it. And up until today, I've been on comfortable territory, uh, dealing with Things that I'm very comfortable talking about, and it's easy for me to talk about. But today, ladies, is the ladies' day. (laughs) And so what I would love from you is grace, and mercy, (laughs) and goodwill. And I, in turn, will attempt to extend the same. We've been looking at um, a couple of things as we've been going along. The first is, in the very first message, are we ready for a relationship? And really the, the end answer or the, the answers that we should be, the questions that we should be asking ourselves in order to answer that are, am I managing myself according to the freedoms that God has given me? Am I walking out the identity that has been given to me by Christ? Am I able to hold my tongue when I need to hold my tongue? Am I able to express my heart when I need to express my heart? Am I able to live according to Christian principle and value? Am I able to love, love God, love myself, love those, those around me? That was the initial phase. And then as people began to step into relationship with that second message, there was the idea of how do we begin to manage ourselves in the context of relationship? How do we protect our hearts and the hearts of our loved ones? How do we walk in freedom? And that became, became the central expression of that message too. They're both available on the internet for you. Last week, I addressed the men very much on their role and their responsibility as a man within the home and, and the flow of order that the Lord has given that It would be from father to Christ to man or husband to wife. And it unpacks some of those ideas. And so don't just go off that short summary. There was very deep and complex unpacking in some cases that maybe you need to go away and think about. It certainly wasn't the traditional, you know, God speaks to man, man speaks to woman, woman does what man says, it certainly wasn't that. So please go away and have a good listen to that message and, and kind of get a context for where I came from with that. And I really uh, just wanted to bring it to perhaps some exhortation for the ladies this afternoon. And I'm gonna be reading from Genesis 3. Um, and It is a passage that we all know well, but bear with the pain that's often associated with the passage and hear me out because perhaps I'll be bringing something different to your perspective on this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, but also gave to her husband with her and he ate. It's a passage which is often read and and ministered in the context of uh, female and male roles, and perhaps some sort of an explanation is given, and I know that I cannot cover every single explanation today, but I have a specific line that I want to drive down with us this afternoon. In this passage, we see in Adam and Eve the worst aspects of them fulfilling the roles that God has given to them. In terms of God's mind and the God's order that he had given, there were clearly understood roles. It might not be that they were always clearly defined, as you'll know from your own experience as you uh, walk in relationship with one another, but there was an understanding of the central roles that were to be played. And it's important and necessary for us to fulfill our roles in order for good relationship to flow. In order for the relationship that God intends, a loving relationship with receiving love from the Father and sharing love in our environments, it is essential that we clearly understand the role and position that God has given us. God has commanded love for Him and for one another, and if we begin to operate outside of the the structure or the, the, the environment which the Lord has given us to experience these, relationship gets broken, and we cannot love in the way that God intends for us to love We cannot deepen relationship in the way that God intends for us to deepen relationship aside from the order in which he's created. And so here in this situation, we have Adam giving up his headship. He compromises for the easy life. He, in exchange for the leadership that the father had given him and receiving leadership from his father, he exchanged that and took the advice of his wife Eve in this situation. He gave up his leadership role. He refused to listen to the voice of the father who had said to him, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He knew clearly what God had said. He chose to listen to the temptation of the serpent and so he gave up his leadership role. If he had at any point said, hang on, this is incorrect. This goes against the word of God. Maintained his connection with God. He would have sustained the purposes of God in creation. So Adam forsook his headship. And Eve often is spoken of as being prone to deception and easily receiving lies. And then sometimes you have Christian men who take a horrific attitude towards women where they come with this attitude of, you're prone to deception, so I'm not even going to listen to you. I'm not even going to listen to what you have to say because you're just guaranteed to be wrong. And that is absolutely anti-biblical, anti-God, anti-the way that he's created this thing to work. And in a moment, men, I want to address you on why that that belief needs to change. But ladies, I want to ask you first, what was the issue with Eve? What went wrong? The first thing that we see is there was idle chit-chat, gossip. When the devil came to tempt her and said, um... Has God indeed said you shall not eat of the tree of every eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden? She should have just said yes. He said, We can't. That's it. No more conversation. But the devil carries on, and she carries on and carries on and carries on and it gets to a place of sin. So the first thing, idle chit-chat, ladies. Watch what's going on when you talk. Not every idea is a good idea. Not everything that is said is true, and therefore you need to be discerning in the things that you allow to be received into your heart from the things that you hear. It's good wisdom for all of us. But the first thing that Eve did, and this is the point that I really want to highlight to you, the first thing that Eve did was take of the fruit of that tree and gave it to her husband, and he ate it. And there's something very powerful here that I want you to begin to pick up on. The fact that he did that showed that he trusted Eve. She had influence with Adam. You know, you often hear this, this uh, phrase, the way to a man's heart is through his belly. Well, Adam fell foul of that one, and many men have fell foul in good ways and bad ways to the influence of food being brought towards him. But you see, influence has incredible power influence that a woman exerts has perhaps more power than that which a man would bring. Let me explain to you a bit of what I mean. In, this, in a story that many of us would know well is um, the story of Esther, Queen Esther, and King Xerxes. Now, King Xerxes, is a, he's a hard case. He's a dictator. He's gone and expanded empires, and he's destroyed people at will, and you know, there's this guy, Haman who hates Jews and wants to see the Jews destroyed. And so he petitions the king and gets it signed into the law that all Jewish people are going to get killed. And Esther fasts and prays and then puts on a feast. There's that food thing again for the guys, but puts on a feast. But the influence that she had with the king caused him to accept the invitation to the feast. The influence that she had with the king caused him to invite her to ask whatever she wished. The influence she had with the king enabled the people of Israel to be set free, to protect themselves so that they would not die. The influence that Esther exerted in that situation for the good of others brought about the salvation of a nation. So I want you to think about this, that it is the issue of influence that is central. Influence is incredibly important. Influence makes things happen. And ideally, influence operating at its best is when it is done for the good of all those involved in the process. And there are different ways that you can influence, through love, through encouragement, through leadership, through admonition. There are many different aspects and styles of influence. And in this specific context, there is an intuition and a wisdom in women when, when correctly stewarded can bring about flourishing of an environment. And so in this situation, the serpent speaks about something very specific. He says, the tree is good for the knowledge of good and evil. If you understood good and evil, then you would become like God. Now, have you ever heard the phrase, knowledge is power? What do you need knowledge for? You need knowledge for power to influence an environment, to bring about transformation. And the point at which devil was tempted was not the fact that uh, the devil tempted Eve was not the fact that she's just prone to deception. It was in this issue of influence. He deceived her, saying, in order for her to be able to influence her environment, she would need knowledge. Now, God, when he created the heavens and the earth and all of creation, he looked at it and saw that it was good. Adam and Eve walked in the goodness of God's creation. They had already got good knowledge. But Eve was led to think that if she understood the ways of good and the ways of evil, she would be able to somehow maximize the potential of her environment. Said another way, (coughs) Eve was deceived into thinking that if she used the dark side of the force, she would be able to make herself happy. For all of you Star Trek, Star Wars fans out there. She was deceived into thinking that she would have to understand the realm of evil in order to fully benefit the world which she desired to live in. So it was in this issue of influence that she became deceived. What had gone wrong? God had created the world, man from dust, then all of the animals from dust. None of them were a suitable companion for Adam, so instead of dust, he took from his finest creation, a rib and upgraded creation by making women. You ladies are asleep today. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, remember, all of creation was good, especially ladies, the women. <laughs> Come on, ladies. You've got to work with me today. With the guys, I'm strong, I'm direct. With the ladies, this requires a different approach, more of a heart-to-heart talk. And so when Eve Eve fell into temptation, she was forsaking the understanding that her good, God-given, God-ordained role was to use her influence for good with good knowledge alone. It's really important that we understand, fellas, that there is something about a woman, about a daughter, about a lady that moves the heart of God, and it moves the heart of man. Ladies, I think you know this, that you have the power to influence. And it is the desire of God and of man to do whatever it takes to make you smile. But the moment you start using the dark side, the moment you start using your knowledge of evil, what should be wholly pure, the influence that God has given you, a response to a father, a response to a husband, becomes tainted. And it causes you to immediately begin to miss out on the pure voice of your heavenly father. To seek error to bring life to your environment. To seek evil sources to bring life to your environment. Now, of course, God can still work in those examples, and we're going to bring a few examples to you very shortly. God can still work in them. Think of Rebecca with her children, Esau and Jacob. She deceived Isaac and brought Jacob first and he had to struggle the whole of his life with being a deceiver, working 21 years to get his wife and his kids. God worked it and turned it around for good. But I bet if you talk to Jacob about those 21 years, he will tell you, dear Jesus, never again. The only appropriate way to bring good into your life, to bring good into your environment, ladies, is through the knowledge of God's goodness. In Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9, it says, Finally, brethren, or Finally, cistern, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Can I say this most gently to you, ladies? I think you get the point but evil can never be used for positive influence on your environment. Now, I understand, ladies, that you will put up with great error, with great hardship in exchange for a little bit of love and a little bit of happiness, but there is greater happiness and there is less hardship in God's presence in His will. See, fear can never produce love. You know, when you pretend to be super sweet in order to get somebody to like you when that's not really who you are, when you walk in a lack of self-esteem, when you play games and have all your little trickeries, sending texts, sending gifts, giving attention to try to get him to love you when he's married to someone else or dating somebody else, disrespecting your man in order to try to get him to love you, Let me just say, ladies, when you disrespect your man, that's a seed that you're sowing that you're gonna reap the whirlwind. And we don't want that as an experience. Control can never produce loyalty, faithfulness. Where are you going tonight? Oh, just out with some friends. Okay, I'll check on you, don't you worry. I put that app on your phone. You know that app that forwards all your texts, forwards all your calls, forwards all your Facebook comments and your statuses. I got that app on your phone. And also the GPS is activated so I know exactly where you are. (laughs) Control can never produce faithfulness. Dressing seductively can never secure the right man for you, let alone having sex on the first date. It'll get you any old man, but it won't get you the man that God has created for you. You gotta keep what's yours for marriage. And I guarantee when you keep what's yours for marriage, he will come running all the way. Because alongside him loving you for who you are, a guy is motivated by that side of things, and it belongs in marriage, and so he'll chase you all the way to marriage. Amen? I'm always gonna get in trouble for things I say from the platform, but hallelujah. (laughs) Imagine the emails are coming. See, this is the thing. Why, ladies, do you imagine that temptation is so strong for you to marry non-Christian men? It's because of this, that a woman's heart is desiring to use the influence that she has to bring into her environment a man who's gonna provide the love which she desires. And the use of evil for the supposed end of good, the bringing in of a, a man who is completely opposite in worldview and fundamental value and belief, but bringing him in, in order to somehow receive love and affirmation. Do you see how it's an error? Doesn't work. You see, when you immediately get into that sort of a relationship, you've surrendered spiritual intimacy and quite a large portion of emotional intimacy because they just won't get you. They'll get you intellectually, they'll get you physically, but they won't understand who you are and they won't walk with you in that level of spiritual intimacy and uh, emotional intimacy that God intends. And when you make that kind of a decision, it could last a lifetime. It could go all the way, or they might get saved, but you don't know. You're walking in a place of insecurity. See, the alternative, however much harder it may seem, is to choose to honor God and his word, and the fact that he challenges us to walk singly with him, until the place where he brings in the person who is right and loves him just like you love him. Now that might seem difficult, it might seem hard, but let me tell you, there's much more happiness and there's much more love there. That's why I think it's best to wait until he asks you instead of going chasing after him. And fellows, if you like a girl and you're not asking her out, maybe you need to check what makes you a man is still there. Ladies, behaving more like a man can never make you, uh, behaving more like a man can never make a man more attracted to you as a lady. You so See, you might be the power woman in the office. You might the, be the tough-talking lady that walks around and, and bosses things, and all everyone else sees is male traits coming through in a lady. Let me tell you something, ladies. If you were to be a woman that caught this revelation, that the influence that God has given you, if you were to use it for good, using good knowledge alone, the effect you'd have on your business environment, just by being a lady and doing what God has blessed you to do, the effect you'll have on your environment, I would invest in that business. Because you're operating according to who God says you are. You're using the gifts that God has given you to use. There's no need to pretend to be a guy, to be a lady and watch what God does in and through you. You got the point. Evil never produces good. Don't even get tempted to believe that evil is going to produce good. It's a deception which has existed from the beginning. It's not for you to carry or walk out. Now, any talk to ladies would never be complete without the discussion of the Proverbs 31 wife. I know cell groups where every single month there is a Proverbs 31 wife dedication. (laughs) But ladies, I want to ask you, why is this passage above all others on the roles of women so attractive to you? I mean, there's other passages. Wives submit to your husbands. Oh, don't like that one. Wives behave in such a way that your behavior, the inward beauty that God has placed within you, so witnesses to your man that he cannot help but come to Christ. Well, it sounds a bit nice, but, but this Proverbs 31 piece, I really like this proverb. Men, what is it that attracts you to this lady? Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so we will, he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships, she brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arm. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds a spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, yes, she reaches out her hand to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, so she shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is a law of kindness." She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Beautiful. Beautiful. Men, I spoke earlier to you of an attitude which needs to change. Maybe you got a problem with women because you had a domineering mother, controlling girlfriend, maybe one that abused you. She saw you, she laughed at you. She thought your job was a dinky job for some 16-year-old and you're 25. She thought you were too fat. She thought that you were stupid. And maybe that's caused you to take an attitude towards women which is incorrect. Everywhere you go, you're angry at the female population. And in turn, you abuse them back. Or maybe you're on the other side, you love women. The thing that you can't get away from is you need a good woman. Bring her good influence in your life. You need a woman in whose heart you can safely trust. That means you've got to forgive what's gone before, and the woman who's right in front of you right now, choose to safely trust her. Because guys, the moment you begin to honor the role that God has given the woman as an influencer in your life, you will receive the full benefit. This wife causes her husband to be known in the gates. That when he goes and sits in the gates, everybody knows who he is. He is esteemed, he is recognized, he is valued. And the words that he speaks are really appreciated because of the role of his wife. Now, today you have Rebecca to thank for the gentle tone that I'm taking with you. Because she's had a wonderful effect on me. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Husbands, likewise, dwell with your women with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. And ladies, I'm sure that if you had a guy who trusted you, you would want to protect that. If you had a guy who knew that you weren't going to betray him, who knew that your words spoken to him, who am I speaking about now? Yeah, your words spoken to him would be received right, then you would want to protect that. When the right man comes along, that's what your influence is for, to protect the relationship that you have. And you'll know that he safely trusts you because he'll progress the relationship accordingly. Ask you out, ask you to be a girlfriend, ask you to get married, get married. That is the progression of a heart which safely trusts in their woman. Ladies, I'm sure you want to be that type of woman. And for that to begin to happen, there has to be this issue at center of walking out and giving honor where it's due, learning to walk in respect. Let me unpack a bit about what that is. Firstly, in the beginning of this passage, it says, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. There's a difference between a woman of virtue and a woman of the world. A woman of the world, seductress, promiscuous, may be beautiful, but torments her husband with her beauty. He never knows if he can trust her. He never knows who else is looking at her and who else she's entertaining with her looks. Cannot trust. Whereas a woman of virtue preserves themselves, keeps themselves separate, keeps themselves away from the men and the effects of the world which would bring a tarnishing. Don't be somebody that goes running around in the world until the right guy comes along from the body of Christ. Keep clear from the world, so that when the body of Christ comes, the man from the body of Christ comes, he can step right into the place that he belongs. A woman of virtue is rare. It is something that you put on on a daily basis, not that you just automatically become. A woman of virtue knows who they are. The self-esteem issue is never dealt with by a man, ladies. Your self-esteem issue has to be worked out with God, knowing that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. A woman of virtue walks in that assurance. A woman of virtue is submissive in the right way, is still able to speak her mind and to share what God has placed in her by way of wisdom, but is able to receive the direction and leadership of the man. A woman of the world is belligerent. How dare you talk to me like that? Who do you think you are? A woman of virtue is honest. A woman of the world is deceptive. First, the woman of virtue. Then, the virtuous wife. And the virtuous wife flourishes in relationship through this passage. Ephesians 5, through 2 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, and he is savior of the body. Therefore just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. All of us need love, all of us need respect. Ladies need love more out of the two, men need respect more out of the two. I've spoken to you about this before. The women will often give love in order to receive love. But that is not really what floats the boat of a man. Respect is what, is, is what he's hungry for in the right kind of a way. And so in order to receive love, respect must be given. And in order, order for the man to re- be respected, he must learn to give love, to bring love into his environment. And so the mechanism, the pure mechanism that God has given you, ladies, is for you to co- exercise the correct influence which causes you to receive that which you desire the most, love. And the correct influence which you would do well to bring is respect to your marriage relationship. Because in expressing respect, you receive love. It's the perfect mechanism. And you can do that easily with the way that you influence. Affirm his leadership. Choose to walk with the decisions that he makes and if they go wrong, don't say I told you so. What can we learn from this? How can we do it different next time? How can we progress? Use your influence to build up the things that a man needs to receive from you, respect and honor, and in turn, he will pour into into the environment love, which is what you need in order to flourish and grow. And together, as you begin to operate in that cycle, you both begin to flourish and grow in the things of God. Use your influence to maximize that right there, that's the core, that's the key. It requires that you're going to have an intimate relationship with the Lord. You need to have a relationship with the Lord. Remember how I said last time that you have the guys, uh, the flow of responsibility, but ladies still definitely have their own personal relationship with the Lord. Sometimes they hear better from God than the guys do. Fellas, we need to get better at listening to the Lord. but a woman who knows who Jesus says they are, a woman who walks with the Lord, a woman who is flourishing with God and the role that he's given her to, even to the point of being a breadwinner. Did you notice this passage? How this lady was taking and buying a field and planting and and the, the harvest from that, she'd go and build a vineyard and then harvest the vineyard and then go and buy different things that she'd need for her family. She was a major breadwinner in that family home. Biblical. How crazy is it that women shouldn't be as paid as much as men? It doesn't make sense. They're probably able to use their influence in better ways than guys are. But they know who they are. But they've made a decision, knowing who they are, the virtue that God has placed in them, to bring it to a relationship. And what happens when you bring it into a relationship? You need to deal with independence, and you need to deal with over-dependence. As you begin to enter a relationship, there is a partnership which begins to flourish, and there is a difference between being too autonomous and being too reliant. Pride is at the center of this. You cannot build your relationship without God. Here, at the beginning in the story I told from Genesis, Eve believed that she could build the relationship, she could build the environment, she could build the purposes of God, well, her desires of her heart in that relationship by removing God by ignoring him and going to become God-like herself by knowing good and knowing evil. Pride is at the center of whether you begin to build a healthy, dependent relationship in the right level. And let me help you guess or figure out how independent or over-dependent you are. How do you handle your problems in a relationship? Do you never talk to your partner about what's going on for you and you always only talk to God? Independent. Independent. Do you never talk to God and always only talk to your partner, too reliant? Do you discuss and communicate both with God and with your partner to search out God's wills and God's solutions, building the right level of dependency? It's important to learn that lesson. Last point before we finish. Let me not overrun my grace. The final thing, ladies, it's most important that you operate out of who God says you are, the things that are taught in Scripture, the principles that He teaches in Scripture, far above feeling and emotion. Never be led by your feelings and by your emotions. You're going to experience them, of course. I'm not saying don't have emotions, don't have feelings. Don't be led by them. See, because you can have a feeling or an emotion based upon a perception, what you think you thought you heard somebody say, or maybe something that you thought was in their eyes when they said it. Maybe they didn't smile at you right that morning, and so for the whole day, they're in the doghouse, and they don't even know it. And you make decisions and start to do things out of the overflow of that emotion, I'm angry, I'm mad, he didn't love me enough today, he didn't make enough time, we didn't communicate well enough, and begin to make decisions which lead to a destruction of the relationship. You need to bring the influence which is good, believing the best, knowing the best, drawing out what is actually being said or not being said in order to cause that relationship to move forward. Let's bring it into summary. God challenges us both women and men, to fulfill a role, the correct role. Ladies, you are given great position in the kingdom of God. People have taken Scripture in the past, misused Scripture to create a hierarchy, God, man, woman, kids. Men and women are created equal, but with different roles. Men and women are created equally valuable, equally honored in the kingdom of God, but with different responsibilities. The responsibility of the man being to lead, the responsibility of the woman to bring influence. You must forsake the bringing in of evil, sin-based, fleshly desires to influence your environment. Influence only from that which is good, from that which you read in the word of God, from that which you know that is good. Evil never, ever produces good fruit. The wages of sin is always, 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 always death. Never anything else. Bring that into your environment. Begin to walk out who God says you are, ladies. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You have a position in the kingdom of God. You have something to bring. And I think you know it. But start to bring it from the right motivation. When you see that operating, you'll see a relationship that begins to flourish in the right direction in a way which brings you glory, Uh, God glory. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. Do I ask if there's any questions? Am I trying to get shot? Anyone got any questions? There's one question that got asked last week that I have to cover. A lady was saying that she had been been a Christian for a number of years and her husband was a non-Christian and she didn't know what was gonna happen. Now, I've seen plenty of those situations. Let me just say, if you went against the word of the Lord and decided to marry a non-Christian while you're a Christian, you can deal with that with the Lord and there's always a way for you to be restored and for things to be made right. But in the context, say you're a couple, and there's one, who, you're both non-Christians, and then one becomes a Christian. How do you deal with it in that situation? Or how do you deal with it in the situation where you did marry, and then you're now still walking with the Lord, and you're wanting them to come into the kingdom of God? It says in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. There's that word again. You've got to maybe go away and do a word study on what submission is. That even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives, whom they observe, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward. Merely outward. It's not to say that you cannot be outwardly adorned, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. But rather also, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. In this, in this dynamic, it's very difficult because there is a, a, a partner, we'll use the women in this situation, there is a, a woman who earnestly desires a spiritual head in the home, a man who's walking with God, earnestly desires it, and he's not doing it. And say you have kids, well, she's gonna have to somehow take a role, take a position where she can bring up the kids in the way of the Lord. Now remember in another passage, it speaks about how the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife so that the children might be sanctified, okay? So understand that the the children are considered before the Lord holy, but the issue is that the man is not walking with the Lord as he should. How do you correct that? You don't correct it by taking the headship role and demanding him to come up. This passage highlights that you use your influence, the beauty that God has placed on the inside of you, so that whenever he sees you, he sees Christ. So that doesn't look like you need to fix up and read your Bible, I need a spiritual man in the home, you need to, become, you need to grow up and mature, because I've already been a Christian for 15 years, what are you doing, hurry up and catch up? That's not what it looks like. It's not when anger, you know, I'm just sick and tired of this, you know, why do I have to put up with you? That's not adorning yourself with the inner beauty. Seek God about what that verse really means, because Peter seems to believe that when you behave like Christ, They will not help but see Christ in you. And it will bring them to a place where they bow the knee to the Lord Jesus themselves. It might take the whole of your life. With my grandparents, my grandmother was a praying Christian all of her life, and then my granddad gave his life on his deathbed. So it went the duration all the way to the end. I have some other family friends where um, she was a, a believing Christian for many, many years, and he was hardcore, not a Christian. And she's prayed and sought God and sought God and sought God, and he's now like he's now taking them out on the streets, preaching the gospel, going, around, going on about how great Jesus is. Both extremes can happen. God is going to move in and through you. But if you want to receive and reap the, the, the reward, it's there in that verse. Living the word of God, the challenge of the word of God for you. Any other questions? Yes. Okay, so you will do families in the earth, will they be the same in heaven? There's none given in in marriage in heaven, but you'll still be best friends. All of these relationships that you're building here in the church, the relationships that you're carrying in your life, those people are gonna be with you in heaven and you're gonna know them better than you ever have. The purpose is eternal relationship, but you and your husband or your Husband and wife will be best friends, but not given in marriage. Okay. I think we're done. You're asking a question. Okay. I did. I did the man last week, so maybe you need to listen to the message last week. Yes. 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 Yes, I covered that last week. I covered that all last week, thank you. Any other questions, otherwise God bless you. Do remember Bruce is gonna be here at five o'clock. This evening seven o'clock, we have Claudio Freights on back. It's gonna be a fantastic, fantastic time. So do listen out for that. Look out for that. Tuesday, Living Free Mastering Leadership, ML1, ML2. uh, And then also Wednesday, Compassionate Communication. Thursday, Israel and the church and the Bible. Otherwise, God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. See you soon. If you're new, come forward, say hi. We'd love to meet you. We've got the welcome team here.